You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the mailbag edition. And uh, it's just another ho-hum week around here. There's nothing big going on here uh, on Thursday. Not at all. Uh, no, just kidding. It's the draft week. I am so excited. It's it's sports-related uh, events. We've got three days devoted to something that we've spent the last seven-plus months working on, and I could not be more excited to get this thing going. Uh, we got a lot of draft questions today, obviously, and here to help me answer all of them. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. Draft week, baby. Let's go. It is draft week. We're ready to rock. We're ready to party. But here's the thing. Kent buried the lead. Kent is no longer a one TV station superstar. He is now this worldwide phenomenon. He is bigger than David Beckham. He is the go-to guy, the shining star that we all need in this time of crisis. Kent Swanson across all your TV stations. It is so great to be here with you, buddy. And I know my friend Craig Stout feels the same way. I know you guys can't see this, but Kent is wearing a very sparkly suit right now. The, I mean, like he he really put on for this podcast, and we had to tell him when we jumped on. It's like, okay, no, it's just us, Kent. Like we're not this important, but we appreciate getting to see you, getting you all dressed up for us. But yes, it is draft week. Let's talk about the draft. I'm ready for the draft to be here. We've done all this preparation and everything like that. And frankly, we are just ready to see the fruits of all of this come true and to see what happens. It's picking up steam, you guys. All of your... All like your career. In. No, the, you guys, like your your whole Hollywood thing is picking up steam and is driving me nuts. I know, I know how Craig feels about the Renaissance man, but I have no regrets what? whatsoever no, no, for calling you the Renaissance. There, but Hollywood over here, <laughs> Hollywood Swanson. Mm. Okay, let's just okay. So yeah, I met, I went on TV a couple times to promote the KC Draft Guide, which you can now get secretly. We're we're just announcing this today for seven dollars and fifty four cents. You are getting the um, previous customer discount of seven fifty four this week because there's only a few days left. Uh, you know, so gum.co slash KC draft guide 2020, uh, promo code draftmas. We'll get it to you for $7 and 54 cents. And we got 300 pages of, of chiefs draft content. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's, it's a beast. Uh, okay. We've got a couple five-star review questions. If you like the show, if you like what we're doing, you know, hit that subscribe button and then leave a five-star review on your platform. We would really appreciate it. It helps us. SB Nation likes it when that happens. So Casey Chem Guy asks, uh, should we take BJ Kissel's recent take with Dane Brugler that Darius Harris is a linebacker the Chiefs like and may cause them to place a lower priority on a Will linebacker, Craig? 
I do think that they like Darius Harris. I I don't think that Darius Harris is necessarily going to be a will that Steve Spagnuolo is going to trust that really kind of fits everything that he wants out of his will linebacker. But then again, Damian Wilson wasn't either, and he played Will for most of the year. So <laughs> who knows? Darius Harris may be a Will linebacker for the Chiefs, but he seems like one of those guys that they've just kind of stashed on the roster that may be a depth piece going forward, kind of like Tim Ward. IJ Plummer, and this is a little bit long answer, but I, you guys are going to get a kick out of this. So I just, uh, gentlemen, I am loving all the content and the pivot from Renaissance Man to Kent's newfound fame. Great. After the draft last year and before OTAs, you guys talked about a lot about depth the Chiefs had going into the season because of the quality UDFAs they were able to sign. With the lack of da- draft capital in the offseason moves, I was wondering how much of the depth actually helped them made our slash made the active roster, and by comparison, how much of a contribution fans can expect out of the this year's UDFA class. So, I, okay, so like I think the, the take is a little bit more layered than that. The Chiefs built a phenomenal 90-man roster. I think they did an outstanding job building the competition on that roster. And competition is very important, and it breeds you know, a really quality 53-man roster. So there was a lot of guys vying for the opportunity to make this football team. And some of them didn't. Some of them did, but they were all pushed to a level that, you know, I think really obviously saw success. I think there was competition in the running back room. Uh, I think you know with Darwin Thompson coming in and you got Daryl Williams, you got guys like that that are adding you know competition. I think that's really the root of it is the if you get quality UDFA guys, they're all vying for opportunities. They're all pushing some of the other guys and the best 53 wind up coming. The, the cream rises to the top. And that's, that's kind of how I look at it. They did have some really quality UDFAs and you saw like guys like Charvarius Ward too. Uh, you know, in previous years, you know, they, they definitely got contribution out of those guys. Um, and, and it, it, it ultimately, you know, the best 53 won out and they won those, they won a Super Bowl. Uh, let's go ahead and jump to the Twitter questions. Keith McLean. I like this one. He asks more, more likely Veach drafts someone ranked below 50 in the KC draft guide at 32 or trades back out of the first round, Maddie. So here's your most comp guys, most likely, I think, to go at pick 32 that are outside of our top 50. I think you could make a case for somebody like Brandon Ayuk if the Chiefs really like him. He's there at 32 and they're trying to get a developmental wide receiver. I think that you could make a small case for Jordan Brooks. I know there's been some hype on him that's kind of picked up lately for a linebacker that could sneak at the end of the first round. I think that would require a lot of linebackers going to round one, though. I think the big one, and this is the one that makes this close, is Jalen Johnson is outside of our top 50. I think a lot of that kind of stuck because some of us didn't get fully around to more of his tape, some of the you know better like viewing experience of his tape until later on in the process. So I think Jalen Johnson's one that makes a lot of sense that could be the pick at 32. That said, I think trading out of 32 is probably more likely than even just drafting one of those kind of three players right there. I expect them to trade back most likely. And if they stick there, I think it's because a really good value fell, which the only one of those guys that I think would you could even consider like a great value would be Jalen Johnson. But like I just said, he's outside our top 50. So, the you know, 32, 50, that kind of doesn't line up. So trade backs much more likely for me. I agree. I think it's trade back. And yeah, Jalen's really the only guy. He he had some rough games this year. I, I ended up grading more rough games for him. I tried to get as many as possible in on him. But 
you know, he had good ones. He had rough ones that kind of drove his grade down a little more than it's probably the consensus. But the way that we do things that that led to him being a little lower in the guide. So Jalen Johnson is really, I think, the only one that reasonably could go at 32 that is below 50 in the Casey draft guide. Honestly, though, like me, I, I got I got more work on him done on Jalen Johnson after the draft. And I think, you know, if the guide released today, he'd probably be a little bit higher than this, too. Uh, I mean, that we, we do. I'm still doing some work on prospects just because I want to because it's fun. Uh, I'll just be real with you. Um, if Brett Veach takes someone like outside of the top 50, I'm I'm probably happy if it's outside. Like because like, honestly, there's we've been burned before. There's been guys out of outside of like the top 100 that have been taken earlier than so like 50 is an improvement if it's like in the 50 to 100 range that's progress if you ask me uh <laughs> breland speaks and russell 2018 would you rather have logan wilson in the third round linebacker out of wyoming or colorado linebacker davian taylor in the fourth you know, this is I, I can't even play to my normal bit here. Logan Wilson in the third is such a significantly better fit for the Chiefs than Davion Taylor in the fourth. I know a lot of Chiefs fans really like Davion Taylor because he's fast. I mean, like he's got legit speed, but the man cannot linebacker. He is a safety. He is an overhang. He doesn't do the things that Steve Spagnuolo wants his linebackers to do. And if you are going to try and address safety, there are a number of other safeties that I would rather target, especially at the draft value that they're going to have. I think that you could target an early safety and get significantly more impact than trying to wait and get a Davion Taylor a little bit later. Logan Wilson is big enough he's got good enough coverage he can fit an interior gap he can do everything that steve spagnola wants of his will linebacker so in that regard i would much rather take logan wilson in the third i think logan wilson at 96 is about the right value i don't think he's going to make it that far though i think his hype is really picking up it's i'm assuming that means teams are really liking him when they have gotten to get on meetings with them on you know skype or whatever it is going on but I would take him at 96. I think that value is about spot on. Davion Taylor to even make this close would have to be in the fifth round. And even then, it's just my issue with Davion Taylor is he, like Craig said, he hasn't played the position a ton. He's very raw and he doesn't really play a linebacker. And he's also an older prospect. So it's not like he's a guy that's coming in at 20 years old that you have all this extra time to mold into something like his football age is very young because of some religious things that held his back, his ability to play a lot in high school. But in college, he had plenty of time in college. You're not just getting this 20-year-old, 21-year-old raw guy. I like some of the stuff he flashes. I just don't want to spend the time to teach him how to get better because I just think the upside isn't quite there like it would be with somebody that's a little bit younger. All right. Ryan Scott Hall, our dear pal. He says, describe the worst case scenario one to 31 and then make the pick at 32. Please and thank you. I'm not, I, don't, I don't think he's wanting us to list one through 31 and maybe this was just a no, joke. No, let's do it. No. Honestly, though, like I think I have some ideas, but... I've missed all of our full mock drafts. Can I please... Let's do a mock draft no. right now. Whose no. fault was that, Matthew? We do not have seven hours for this podcast. Okay. I think the worst case scenario for the Chiefs, um, center or not center, corner and linebacker fly off the board. I think that's like the best way to describe it. There isn't the same run on wide receivers as you would expect. Now, making the pick at 32, here's where it gets interesting. 
Because I don't think there's a worst case scenario to happen one to thirty one for the Kansas City Chiefs. So like the in this scenario, maybe it's like Xavier McKinney or something crazy like that. Like the worst scenario is only He said th- worst case, not my favorite. I do, but that's what I'm saying, Craig. This is what's crazy. It's like, okay, one of the quarterbacks doesn't like Jordan Love is not, is still on the board at thirty two. That's a bad part of the scenario. Uh there's not a run on receivers cornerbacks fly off and and the linebackers are all off the board okay now what are you looking at tackle safety you know like the thing is maybe off interior offensive line maybe like this is this just speaks to me personally i'll call it xavier mckinney and even then like i that's probably not the worst case scenario maybe it's delpit <laughs> maybe it's delpit maddie bite your tongue but like because of how open-ended this this draft could be for the Chiefs, because they're positioned to take basically any position except tight end and quarterback, like, I don't know if there's a... Like, I think they're going to be able to get a good player that I'll, I will be happy with, frankly, even if it's the worst-case scenario. And it's even hard. the worst-case... Even the worst-case scenario of teams passing on quarterbacks early... Probably still works in the Chiefs' favor because you you're definitely going to have a team that's going to want to trade up to catch a guy that's falling. So there's really very few scenarios short of drafting, and I said short on purpose, a Meek Robertson in the first <laughs> round that I wouldn't be okay with, Maddie. I have received Grant Delpit slander and Amik Robertson slander in the past 60 seconds, and I am very unhappy about this. So, with that in mind, starting at this is the worst case scenario, starting at pick one, the Bengals <laughs> take. No, okay. So, I think the real worst case scenario was teams see this draft class strong at wide receiver, and they don't pick any wide receivers but the top three. You don't get Justin Jefferson, you don't get Denzel Mims, any of these extra wide receivers go, which still, not a terrible thing. The Chiefs could take one of these guys that are falling, but just the worst case scenario would be these three receivers are the only wide receivers that go. I think then you maybe have... That's really all I got. And like, that's not enough to push a position like where the Chiefs can't have anyone to take. I guess the biggest worry you have as a Chiefs fan is the Chiefs see a running back there at 32 that's just by and far the best player available or maybe an interior offensive lineman not named Cesar Ruiz. And they kind of reach a little bit to fill a need. But that's more of a Chiefs specific thing than a draft board thing. I think the way this draft class is set up, you are not going to be lacking for talent in terms of best player available at 32 no matter what. That's that's the thing I keep thinking about. Is like I think the problem for me is like it's more about what do the Chiefs actually do, because there's gonna be guys that will all be thrilled are there. It's just a matter of if they take them or not. Like I don't see a yeah, scenario where the there's... issue could be if like there's a couple defensive tackles and maybe defensive ends there. Like that would be the thing. I think maybe the Chiefs could pass on Epinesa, Yitor Grossmatos, and Javon Kinlaw. And like if you cross those three guys off the list, like yeah, that crosses three of the more talented players off the list. So after that, what's left if the board falls terribly outside of them? But like outside of a position group like that, or them simply not wanting a linebacker at all, I just don't see how it could shape up poorly for them. It's just a matter of what they ultimately do. And if it's just like, hey, you know, Patrick Queen's on the board, David McKinney's on the board, but we're going to take Clyde Edwards Hilaire. You know, like something like that. I love Clyde, but you, you get it. David Maida asks, and he, he said he hasn't really been able to uh, get his questions because we moved to Sundays. I apologize for that. Uh, but he asks, what top draft pick would you freak uh, out for the Chargers to take in the first round? Oh. Like what would be what would be a problem for you, Maddie? 
I don't, I don't know if I have one for the Chargers specifically. I think that's the issue is like, because I'm okay with them taking, like if Joe Burrow fell to the Chargers, that would make me freak out because that would be stupid and it doesn't exist. But like, I don't care if they have Tua. I don't care if they have Herbert. Like I think Tua is good. Tua is going to be a good football player if he's healthy, but I'm not freaking out. I will give you guys one though. I do not want the Broncos to take CD Lamb. That one will make me freak out if the Denver Broncos take CD Lamb because did him Drew Locke is even competent. That wide receiver room scares me. Yeah, I'd agree with that, too. And I think probably the only guy that would really scare me, Tua a little bit. I'll I'll stray a little bit from Maddie there. Tua scares me a little bit because if his medicals check out, he's going to be a good quarterback. So in that regard, I would be a little scared that they'd have some functional cheap quarterback play. But the other guy, Jeff Okuda. If Jeff Okuda ended up there, listen... It's, it's Chris Harris there. They've got uh, Casey Hayward there. they got some older corners. If they win in on Jeff Okuda, that gives them a stud guy to try and mitigate some of what the Chiefs can do that kind of makes us comfortable with what they can do. That just, you know, a strength makes it a further strength for the Chargers. That would be a little scary to me. Meh. It's Tua. <laughs> it's Tua for me. That's it. Okay. Tua's, Tua's the one for me. He's the big swing. The medicals might work out, but the high-end version of Tua is a guy that can be competitive, not at the same level as Patrick LeVon Mahomes because nobody in the world can come close to the best player in the history of football, Patrick LeVon Mahomes. Tom Brady's shook, by the way. He's already, he already knows his legacy is in trouble. Tua's, Tua's, I mean, Tua's good, though. And his high ends, if he's healthy, that's... It's scary. It is. They can be competitive. And competitive, no one's been competitive with the Chiefs for a while. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with more of your questions right after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Continuing the questions from the Twitter sphere, uh, we got this one from Kat and Denny. Are you suiting up for draft day? Do you suit up for draft day, Craig? No, it's not trophy day. It's not trophy day. The, the tradition is trophy day. And Captain Denny, 
I don't know if you know this about me, but I've barely worn real clothes over the past three (laughs) weeks, so I'm definitely not going to start it when I'm sitting in front of my computer and doing all of this draft work for the website over the past or over the next weekend. Are you going to wear jeans for draft day? No. We should wear jeans for draft day. I'm going to wear the loosest thing possible. That way, if Patrick Queen falls, I can take my pants off Uh, if you need them. (laughs) Okay. Jeff Muir, I'm trying to I'm trying to get the next question off fast. Jeff Muir asks, is there any chance that we trade Chris Jones on draft day based on how the board is falling or are pre our draft day player trades not realistic? I mean during the draft, I think it's a little less realistic. I think there's a chance for a Chris Jones trade leading up to the draft. Once things start, I don't think you get them quite as often, especially with big superstar players like this. But I also don't think you can rule it out this year just based on the way this year's odd. The way the offseason's gone is very strange. There is a chance that conversations have been diluted a little bit. They've taken a lot longer to get done. So there's a chance Chris Jones will get dealt during the draft. I think you got to keep your eye on Chris Jones' big move to leading up to the draft for sure, though. Yeah, um, Definitely, if Derek Brown is gone and Jeff Okuda is there at eight, I am doing everything in my power to call Arizona and say, hey, I know you wanted a defensive tackle. We have a defensive tackle and you guys don't really necessarily need that corner. So we'll just go ahead and do that. And you can, you know, you can have Chris Jones and 32 and we'll move up and get the best corner in the draft. Oh, I'd do that in a heartbeat. Oh, buddy. Goodness gracious. And you have like 15 million in cap space to work with too. And Jeff Okuda. Pat Mm. is paid. I mean, I think you can, I think there's, you could, you could, there's still some good players out in free agency too. I'm just, I'm telling you, and you still got the best player in the world, Patrick LeVon Mahomes. Uh, Lay Tony 44 asks, since you are all in favor of trading back, which players would be available at 32 you would rather have than trading the pick? Patrick Queen, Christian Fulton, and Cesar Ruiz. I think those are the three guys that I would not trade back if they were available that are reasonable. Obviously, if some of these other guys fall, you know, Mackay Becton reportedly failed the drug test. Like, if he falls, oh, buddy. by all means, take, yeah, take him immediately. But I'd trade I, up for him. I would trade I would up for Mackay Becton in a heartbeat. I would, too. I'll, I'll let Matty so expound on that since he ran a Twitter poll on that earlier. Oh, but my I, gosh. Realistically, I think those are the only three. I'd say Jeff Gladney, but I think he's going to fall a little further because of the meniscus and everything like that. So in that regard, it's just those three for me. Man, why you got to get me all fired up on this Mackay Becton take? Uh. Just because I am thoroughly dumbfounded by the amount of people that think trading two firsts for a very important, arguably one of the most important positions in football is not a move that should be made. Like, I get it. It's not a quarterback, but it's a left tackle. Like, you're not trading up to get a tight end. It's a left tackle. Like, and even some of the things aren't even that they don't like Becton. People are just saying, hey, I don't want to trade two first-round picks for an offensive tackle because we can find a guy in round four or something. And I just... Oh. No, we're not going down that rabbit hole. <laughs> can, uh, can I jump so in real quick before thing. you give your take? It's going to be pick 32 and, like, pick 30 at worst. Like, right. at worst. So, like, you're trading two picks that have no, are never going to yield, ever going to yield a Mackay Beck did. 
Makai Becton is look. Makai Becton has a chance to be a generational left tackle, and I know that is saying a lot. But he is the one of the most rare types of prospects you are ever going to see. He has. I mean, the man is. He's. He's. I'm sorry. He has a chance to be like elite, elite. Well, Kit, I didn't pose the question for Josh Jones for the last three months for a reason. I posed it for Mackay Becton for a very specific reason, and I was just, I was shocked Ugh. by the response. I know, I don't it get was... it. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's just, it's my frustration boiling over. That's why I was trying to stand I for you it. for a second earlier. I'm sorry. Continue, Maddie. What no, was the question? Good, good. So, this is my thing. I'm okay with trading back, but I think it depends on the board because, like, Craig said, there's those three guys and there's a couple other players and I'm fine if they take it 32. I just think it depends. Like if all three of those players that Craig just mentioned are there and you trade back two spots. Okay. Why not do it? If they're all, you know, it's kind of same. So I think it depends on the pool of players that you have. As long as I'm trading back in a range that allows me to get my upper tier pool of players, I'm fine with it. But if I only have a couple guys and I can only trade back five, six spots, I'm not risking it. Like, I'm not going to trade back five spots if I only have three guys at my highest grade. I'll just pick my favorite guy, Grant Delpit, and go ahead and take him or, you know, my <laughs> other favorite guy, Meek Robertson, and just pick him right there at 32. Ugh, you're not real about the Meek take. People are going to think you're no. real. No, he's a third rounder. Fourth. Uh, third. Add, add Xavier McKinney to Craigslist for me. Like, Xavier McKinney's another guy, like... If you I just there, don't expect him there. I, I just yeah, don't. I don't know. But I think he's. I think he and Patrick Queen have the same chance of being there. Honestly, I. I'm not sure that I'm not completely out on Patrick Queen not being there either. By the way, just I just something tells me that I, it's not out of the realm of possibility. There's still people that have him mocked to the Chiefs that are you know smart people. Um, okay. Tupelo Dillon asks, Spags prefers his cornerbacks to play zone. Last year, he admitted he had to adjust to what Bashad Brilliant and Ward do well, which is press. So are the Chiefs looking for zone corners or more press corners in the draft? I think that, frankly, they're looking for guys that can do both. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo wants guys that can play physical at the line of scrimmage for when he's blitzing. He wants guys that can control, you know, kind of those tight quarters and take away those timing routes when he wants to blitz. And then he runs so much zone that they have to be comfortable in zone. Now, that being said, I think that he would probably lean a little heavier towards a zone cornerback you know a guy like cj henderson that i like a lot and i think that spags could use to the best of his ability may not be a higher priority because his zone awareness is frankly poor and he's not a good tackler and yada yada but guys like you know a bryce hall guys like that that are zone corners jalen johnson that is a zone corner i think that that fits very well with what spagnola wants to do and Jalen Johnson particularly can press like he's got that, that right. flexibility to be able to do that. So he makes a lot of sense for the Chiefs in that regard. Uh, I think oh, sorry, Matty. Oh, Go. I was just going to say, I wanted to briefly say, I think working with the Giants, you saw Steve Spagnuolo ran the same concept of coverage with a lot of the match quarter stuff, but there was a lot less press. Like it did. It, there was not as much consistent press as you got with Charvarius Ward, even Bashad Breeland for a little bit. And I think we talked about it last off season. Charvarius Ward is much more comfortable when he's attached to a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. So they let him do it. 
I think the zone skills and the ability to like match different routes at the same time is more important than the ability to press somebody at the line of scrimmage. Not that they don't want that. It's just, I think that's more important of the two traits. So they would take a smaller, quicker corner over a big physical one. If the zone skills were equal. All right. K jump coming. Gumdra asks. I love this question. This is a really good one. If the chiefs only draft one cornerback, who is the lowest ranked cornerback you'd leave the draft with happy? Okay, so this is kind of unfair because if I'm going the lowest ranked out of the KC draft guide, I think taking Noah Igbenogany. Igbenogany. Yeah, sure. Uh, taking him, who is our 12th ranked corner, I do believe, like that's pretty low compared to the consensus on him. I don't think he's a great fit in zone. I don't even know if he's the best Chiefs fit, but the upside is so tremendous that, that you know, cornerback 12, so you're taking him at the middle of the third round. Like, I'm completely fine with him if he's the only guy they get. The other, Yeah, I'll, I won't name any other names, actually. I'll let these guys get some other ones in there. I'll pull a non-Matty and only list one name here. Ken, I, I want you to go before me because I got to take. You go, you go oh, right boy. ahead, my man. Oh, God. So, like, and, like, I'm going to Maddie this a little bit. I think it kind of depends on what else they've done in the draft too. Like if like if they grab Xavier McKinney, for instance, like I think that makes me a little bit more comfortable taking someone like uh like I you could talk me into Michael Ojemudia, but I'm higher on him in, than the Casey draft guide is. Like if 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 Ojemudia is the pick at like ninety six after they've taken Xavier McKinney and after they've traded back potentially and got more picks, like I think I could be like comfortable with a guy like him, but like some of the guys between Noah Igbenogany and Michael Ojemudia on our list, I'm not comfortable with, if that makes sense. <laughs> so like, give me like Ojemudia is probably the guy I'm least comfortable. With. That's contingent on something like what's happened before that. Okay. So here's my take. Since the Chiefs have signed Bashad Breland, they don't need an immediate contributor. So the oh, the, if they're walking away with just one guy, I'm fine with them waiting and taking a higher upside guy like Igbenogany or Stanley Thomas Oliver or maybe a Harrison Hand or yes, even a Lukeman Barku in UDFA. <laughs> but UDFA, Maddie, UDFA. I'm, you know, but. If they are looking for a guy to kind of continue along this Brett Veach, Steve Spagnuolo line where they're not investing significantly in these picks and they're they're relying on Rashad Fitton to play on the outside a little more, knowing that they've got Breland and Ward going to start, take a higher upside guy, take a guy that you can refine a little bit more that's got the length, got the ball skills, got the zone capability, just needs time to bulk up, time to get up to the NFL speed and gamble on the fact that maybe you can get a fifth rounder that contributes because frankly, that's what they've done so far. (laughs) Barku needs like 20 pounds added. (laughs) Barku needs like 30 pounds, but... The man can play the ball in the air. Imagine how rough he would turn if he added 30 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Chiefs overlord. Uh, a late round linebacker, uh, like fifth round, to prior, or fifth round to priority free agent that you would want on the Chiefs, Craig. Oh, this was good for me. Uh, I've talked a little bit about it. Kiava uh, 
Tazino out of San Diego State is a guy that actually Dane Brugler also had him in his top 25. He didn't get a combine invite. He's a bigger guy. He's got a little bit of range, but he can stack an interior gap pretty well. He actually drops pretty well in zone. He's a good hook defender from that regard. He's a good blitzer. Just he makes a lot of sense for a backup Mike linebacker in the fifth round and beyond. You're not going to necessarily find a good will linebacker at that point. They're just too valuable. So at that in that spot there, I'm looking for a backup Mike, maybe a Sam, something like that. I think Tazino could be a backup Mike if you bring him in there because they don't have one. You know, it's Ben Neiman right now. and We've seen what Ben Neiman, we saw the Houston Texans game. It was not good with Ben Neiman set in front. So give me a guy that you can gamble on maybe becoming a Mike of the future, especially with the way that Spagnuolo uses his mic. I think I'll cheat this one a little bit because I know some people have him a little higher, but again, we don't. He's a late round pick for or a fifth round kind of guy for us. I'm going to go with Marcus Bailey, linebacker out of Purdue. A lot of injuries, you know, torn Achilles, not Achilles, but ACLs, I think two of them now, also a shoulder injury. So he's missed a ton of time. But when he plays, he's a 240 plus pound linebacker that they play out in the slot as much as they play in the box. It's not that he can't play in the box. Like he's 240 pounds. He has no problem banging inside. He just also has the ability to flex out playing the slot his athleticism looked a little bit more limited this year before he got hurt again so like you were definitely looking at a guy with a long injury history you probably in this draft get him as an undrafted free agency because nobody can check in on these medicals but just the athletic upside at that size his athletic ability if it returns into form is so high that i think he's just worth that swing as an undrafted free agent Maybe if he just gets some time off for a little bit and gets into a pro locker room where they can take, help him take care of his body a little bit better, he can last a little longer. Like I said, just the way he moves at his size is just something that's pretty rare and would normally go in the first two days of a draft. Okay, so I'm going to cheat a little bit differently. I'm going to go with a guy we're probably higher on than I think the consensus is on. And maybe I'm wrong on this. But like, I don't think Jacob Phillips is a will linebacker. But he might be a Spags Will linebacker. (laughs) (laughs) And so, like, I don't think he's a particularly great coverage player, but he might do enough to satisfy what Steve Spagnuolo needs out of that position. Um, He's the guy that played next to Patrick Queen uh, at LSU. Um, I thought he actually moved decent in coverage. I mean, I was kind of surprised. Like, he came in at 6'3", 229. I was a little bit surprised by that. Yeah. so he's actually a little bit under the thresholds, but I I don't know. I, I don't hate him uh, in coverage. I think he might be just enough for, for Steve Spagnuolo, which like I'm so messed up by the linebackers. Like, and it really like, here's, here's how it feels to me real quick. Just a quick sidebar with the linebacker position for the Chiefs. It feels like you just either need to not care about them at all or draft them in the first round. Like there is no happy medium because there is no 235. There's not very many athletic enough 235 lineback 235 pound linebackers that can cover. Like there's like two in this draft, and one of them is not Ken Murray. Uh, hey. Matt- <laughs> Tanner Muse, another sleeper. If you're gonna you know move somebody from safety to linebacker, I mean, you can put Tanner Muse at will. Let him run around, see what happens. Yolo. Clay Johnson Yolo. for Baylor. Another guy, he's probably too short for Steve Spagnuolo or short arm, but another guy that can move a little bit. Dime linebackers, baby. Dime linebackers. 
All right, Chief DG, who is your favorite mid late round, mid to late round OT to guard convert? I don't think Akeem Hidenji counts as a mid to late round. So that he makes might a little bit tricky for He me. might for the league across the board. I don't no, know. Kansas offensive tackle Akeem Hidenji would be the first guy that I'd come across, but I would take him in day two. So I'm not, I'm just going to skip over him. I'm actually going to go with John Runyon tackle out of Michigan. I don't hate his reps at tackle, but I can see why somebody would want to move him into guard and watching him play guard, even a little bit of center down. I believe it was at the shrine game during the all-star circuit. I thought he looked pretty good. I like his movement skills, especially if you kick him inside, you know, NFL bloodlines, you know, he's been around the game for a while. So he has a good work ethic. Like he's, that's all kind of been instilled in him. So I really like John Runyon. I'm surprised just with that name. He has flown under the radar as long as he has. Yeah. Mine is uh, wake forest. Justin Heron. Uh, we got oh. to see him play a little bit of offensive guard at the senior bowl. I, he was a tackle there at Wake Forest, but definitely going to be a guard at the next level. I'm, I think, I think uh, that's just kind of the way that teams have viewed him. That's where he played at the Senior Bowl. I, he needs a lot of work, but a guy that I think has the right, you know, football character, the right makeup, and the the right sort of movement skills to play in Andy Reid's offense. Uh, give me Tremaine Ingram. Give me Tremaine Ingram. I was watching him a little bit. He was playing right tackle for uh, Clemson. Uh, I was watching him against LSU last night, actually. Um, you know, he's a little bit... He's kind of a shorter guy. I don't know what his arm length came into, but, like, I think he's a guy that might wind up playing along the interior anyway. Um, I thought he actually, you know, moved okay for, you know, a guy his size. I think he would actually kick inside pretty easily. Uh, he's definitely a guy that can move people. Like he can change the line of scrimmage, uh, and I think he'd actually be better set up to do that uh, if he's playing along the interior. Max Arquilla asks: Will Austin Ryder be the starting center for the Chiefs come the start of the season? I love this question. Yes, I, th- I think he will. Uh, I think we we haven't heard a ton about Chiefs visits for offensive centers. Uh, they tra- they targeted Andrus Pete. So I think that the Chiefs are probably looking at the guard position a little closer. Now, that's not to say that if Cesar Ruiz fell, that they wouldn't immediately take the upgrade there. But they haven't really given us any true indication that Austin Ryder doesn't have that job on lock right now. Don't love this interior offensive line class. So like if you're drafting somebody to come in and start from Austin Ryder right away, it's going to be one of your first two picks in this draft, most likely. And that, you know, already lengthens the odds. Then like Craig said, it sounds like they've put a little bit more effort into looking at the guard spot rather than center. So I'm going to go with yes for now, but I do think it'll be really telling what they do when you get to more center only prospects like a Matt Hennessy or a Nick Harris. If they're passing on them in the second and third round, then they definitely believe in Austin Ryder because like I said I, those guys are sinners only and that means Austin Ryder safe if they're not on their board I think Austin Ryder probably winds up being the starter regardless of whether or not they're able to to you know take a guy in the top 100 frankly like if Matt even if Matt Hennessy jumps in there it's not because I don't think Matt Hennessy's better than Austin Ryder because he 100% is uh, it's because the the wonky offseason has not allowed Matt Hennessy enough time to catch up to Austin Ryder. And so that's something like, I know it's kind of a cop-out answer. And that's kind of a mad answer, but like, I do think that's kind of where my head is with it. Um, 
I don't know. Like I have no beat right now on where they're going to take an offensive lineman or if it's going to be inside or outside. Frankly, I just, I think they're taking an offensive lineman. I just don't know where the main event 2k asks. I know nobody likes to draft a running back, but which running back could dramatically improve our offense if drafted and where would you likely have to pick them? I think we've all probably, I think we're all on the same thing with this. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is been our guy for the whole process where you have to get him and where I would take him (laughs) is probably a different conversation. You might have to take him at 32 where I would want to take him. You're going to have to talk me into him pretty hard and and it's going to depend on what else they do. If like the chiefs trade back to like 45 and he's the first pick, you're still going to have to talk me into it. Even though I love Clyde, Clyde Edwards. I, I think that any of the top running backs, could make a dramatic impact. I think Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire could all make a significant impact for the Chiefs. But yeah, like Kent said, you're going to be using a top 50 pick and it's likely going to be your first pick. And in that regard, that means you're passing up an early corner, an early linebacker, an early offensive tackle, safety, wide receiver, whatever the case may be, positions that have historically had more impact than running back has. So in that regard, yes, it would improve the offense, but so would a receiver, so would a tackle, so would all these other positions that could make a bigger difference, I think, long-term than a running back could. That's yeah. That's just the trick right there. Is where do you balance the improvement that you're getting from a running back versus other positions, and not only just other positions, but the value that you would get or the improvement you would get from a running back around later. Like Ken said, Clyde Edwards-Helaire. I think Jonathan Taylor's just pure running ability and speed is something that can't be ignored. Even DeAndre Swift, who I'm not as big of a fan of as others, I do think is a major improvement over what we currently have. It's like. All these guys would be better. It's just a matter of taking one of them at 32 versus taking Darrington Evans at round three or Keyshawn Vaughn at round four. Like That's the gap that you have to measure, not just the, what other players you could take at the position instead. And like all those guys make them better, but how much better? Because it's still built around Patrick Mahomes being the best passing quarterback in the world. And so like you got to balance all that too as well, in my opinion. Obviously, they help in the pass game, but... I don't know, man. Uh, KS Cordray asks, we trade back to gain an extra second round pick. Which possibilities for a trade and which player interests you in that scenario? So, I mean, it's really hard to pin down, but what I really wanted to take out of this question is just so we're kind of setting expectations. And I know we did this a little bit last week too. We need to probably set our expectations about what a trade back means. A trade back to the late 30s means you're getting a pick in the 100 to 110 range. A trade back into the mid 40s means you're getting a pick somewhere in the 70s, probably. So, a trade back to get an extra second round pick probably isn't happening. It'd have to be a team with two second round picks late, and I don't think there really is one in this scenario that they that 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 exists. So, um, yeah, just keep that in mind. Like, let's just make sure expectations are set. Are are we sure he wasn't just meaning the extra second round pick being the trade back from the first to like? 36 or 38 maybe maybe, maybe. i mean i don't know. i guess um, in that, i in that regard who who would you take if the chiefs had to trade back to 36 jalen johnson jeff gladney some people think christian fulton's fallen there 
I mean, okay. one of the one of the corners. Yeah. yeah, corners or tackle could be good value in that pocket. Yeah. It, so, all right, SoCal eleven. I just maybe I just misread the question. I guess I, I was reading it as an extra second, like on top of the, <laughs> it's dude draft week. It's it's here. It's stressful. It's SoCal eleven eighty six. Will the Chiefs use over or under five and a half picks in this draft, Craig? Over. It's happening. There's going to be a trade back either from the first round or we're going to see a Chiefs player get traded. I think the two most common ones that we can look at, Chris Jones, LDT. Uh, LDT might be a super late round pick, but I, I think that they the Chiefs aren't going to walk out with just five picks in this draft. I think they're going to make six or seven. I think this is an easy over. I don't even think it's close. They're going to trade back at some point in time. They're going to make at least six picks. It might be on day three. There is zero chance the Chiefs draft ends in round five with two full rounds to go. Hammer in the over, buddies. Alex Buhair asks, how would you feel if at pick 32, Cesar Ruiz, Patrick Queen, and or Christian Fulton are on the board in the Chiefs trade back? I think we kind of already uh, explained that, but uh, what what is your feeling though, Maddie? Well, you guys might have to stay in touch with Twitter coming up because there might be a live show where you will get to see my reaction of pure anger before I angrily shut down the live stream that I may or may not be on when this happens and then throw my computer through the window out into the yard and burn it because it would be the stupidest move of all time. See, listen, Maddie's trying to like upsell this live stream, but he, he might be real. Like I see the window that he could potentially throw this computer through over his (laughs) shoulder right now. Like he might not be lying here. I'm in a room full of windows. (laughs) Craig? Nah, I angry. Super angry. I yeah. I especially honestly, and this is me the defensive guy, especially if Caesar Ruiz is there. Especially. <laughs> he is the best player available there. Caesar Ruiz shouldn't be there. If he's there in the Chiefs pass on him, I'm going to be frustrated. That's one of the few offensive line picks that you can make early that are going to make an immediate impact on this team. Uh, per usual, I'll be the least angry, but I'll be the one that's like trying to rationalize it because <laughs> that's what happens in a lot of scenarios that we all work through. Maddie gets like really pissed and I'm just here trying to understand it. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure my take will be something like, I just want to see who they wind up taking at 38. And it's like, maybe they know they can get Cesar Ruiz at 38. Maybe they always had intended to draft DeAndre Swift, Kent. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I don't know. It'll be interesting. One loss wizard. I I like this question. Antoine Winfield or Xavier McKinney? Van Jefferson or James Prochet? Amig Robertson or Kavon Wallace? Craig? Okay. Uh, Xavier McKinney, first of all. I like Antoine Winfield. Xavier McKinney is the best safety in this draft that's not named Isaiah Simmons. Uh, Van Jefferson, even though I like James Prochet, Van Jefferson, I think, fits this offense a little better. And again, I started this this bit, but I can't. Amik Robertson's a better player than Kayvon Wallace. He really Ooh. is. Play him at safety it, with Spags. And profit. he's a smart player, real smart player. I think he'd fit at safety. Now, if you draft Xavier McKinney, do not draft Meek Robertson. But 
if a meek is the safety position that you're addressing, I'm I'm more than okay with it. So Antoine Winfield or Xavier McKinney? That's Grant Delpit uh, is the answer to that question. <laughs> Van, no, I would take Xavier McKinney over Winfield. Just the injury history does concern me with Winfield. I like them both a lot. I, Grant Delpit has overtaken McKinney for my safety one, though, so that's why I threw him in there. Van Jefferson versus James Prochet, they're the same guy to me. They win slightly different, but they're both slot underneath receivers that I don't think add a ton of value to the Chiefs offense. So of the two... I will go with Van Jefferson because I think he's a little bit more nuanced as a route runner right now. He could give them a little bit more right off the bat. I think he's a little bit bigger than Prochet. Amik Robertson or Kayvon Wallace, not close. Amik Robertson's better. I actually like Kayvon Wallace. I think I was one of the, you know, not first people in the world, but I said I like Kayvon Wallace when I first watched him. The issue is I've gone back and watched him again. Justin Jefferson gave it to him, and, and Justin Jefferson's a very good prospect, but Justin Jefferson gave it to him all over the field, even though he didn't see a ton of passes. Kayvon Wallace could simply not keep up despite great athletic testing. I didn't see anybody do that to him. Meek Robertson, the competition level was lower, <laughs> but nobody did Colin with Justin Johnson. Jefferson. Colin Johnson did it. No, it was now Justin Jefferson versus Kayvon Wallace was worse. He was okay, getting fair. he was cutting away from him consistently out of the slot there. Amik Robertson did not have a game that bad. And again, competition level matters, but I just Amik Robertson's upside is so much higher. His highs are so much higher. Uh Xavier McKinney, Van Jefferson, Kavon Wallace. <laughs> yeah, has taken and, up the resident Amik slander her. No, I put me well, Can't I put Amik Robertson Wallace. as a my guy in the draft guy just to troll Craig. I, I like Amik Robertson a lot. I really am a fan of Kavon Wallace's instincts and maybe it's just a little bit of recency bias because I just got done watching him against Ohio state in the last 24 hours. But that man was all over the field. He was making plays at the line of scrimmage. He was close. He was, he was, he, he was, he was prepared for that game and he was closing on footballs. He was making plays on the football with good instincts. I like Kavon Wallace's instincts Playing from deep, closing, big fan. I really liked what I saw. I think I was too low on him. I think I was wrong on, on Kavon Wallace, if I'm being honest. I was too low the on Ohio him. The Ohio State game was my original game that I saw, and that's where I said that I was a fan, and I still agree. It was a very good game. I got back around to LSU the second time. It just wasn't near as good to me. And like I said, I just saw – he didn't play near his versatile positions versus LSU. He was pretty much only in the slot, See, and I don't think it went near as well as it did in Ohio State. I, I like him playing from like a two-high structure. I like him playing deep even. I don't know if he has the range to play single high, but I thought he was actually playing pretty good seeing the like reading the field in front of him. That's something that really interested yeah. me with him. All right, that is going to do it for this week's episode. We will be back. Okay, so we're going to do two episodes uh, left this week. We're going to do one on Wednesday, and we're going to have one for you on Thursday as well, just so you have something on draft day. We'll catch you later. more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, 
wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.